0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Hello, and
1: welcome to the show tonight. <laughs> I think we're going to have a most fantastic episode. The topic tonight: all of my relations, and our guest tonight is Jeffrey Schmidt, Ph.D. It's uh, uh, Jeffrey and I have been talking uh, before the show got started, and uh, uh, we were t- we were talking about uh, some of the the human potential. Uh, the next chapter of, of our human story and, and how the unfolding of these next uh, years, these next decades um, of our human condition are going to be quite exciting times. You know, what I really like about this episode tonight is um, from, the, from the traditional collective perspective, we're going to look at a shadow side. Now, a lot of times we think of the shadow side as the dark side, the the taboo side, if you will, but I think if if you consider the human persona, which we have done so many times on this show, the, the human persona is perhaps the most powerful substance on the planet, not per se our flesh and bones, but but certainly our consciousness, our inspiration, our ability to dream, our ability to vision, and then bring that into form. And how can it be if we're talking about the human persona as being a very powerful elixir, a very powerful substance, perhaps the most powerful substance, arguably, how can it be that we're so powerful and yet... um, is, uh, our culture looks like a three ring circus it looks like a insane asylum it looks like uh, confusion and, and hostility and upheaval what, what um, was it that where did we get disconnected where did we get separated from our power and I suggest to you that uh, the aspects of our human persona, the aspects of our, uh, of our humanity as a whole, um, has been polarized in some very, very key elements of, of the, the powerful aspect of our human uh, condition. For example, sex, sexuality. Most people have a, a, a polarized view of the notion of sex. It per, uh, perhaps they're uh, uh, very religiously oriented, and if you say sex, they cringe a little bit, and, and it's like if there's sex on TV, we need to turn it off, and sex is only for procreation, and, and sex has to be in, the, in this context or that context. And perhaps uh, another example of that would be somebody who gets excited about sex, and it's like, oh, my gosh, sex, Yeehaw! bring it on. I mean, um, but certainly our culture is very polarized towards sex. You can look at the um, what might be considered the shadow side of sex, and that's uh, um, pornography or uh, prostitution. And our culture uh, labels that as taboo. Our culture labels that, quote, shadow side of sexuality as taboo. So what if sex, and and to go a a, a little deeper, something like Tantra or um, the Kama Sutra, what if the, the notion of sex is a very, very powerful aspect of our human persona? How How is it that we got so disconnected from something that is really so beautiful and certainly very, very powerful? We've talked many times on this show about how um, intimacy and, uh, and uh, our sexual connection with our partners can be an extremely powerful modality of healing. And what I'm getting at here is, I started off this conversation with the elephant in the room, if you will. If we're all powerful human beings, and we've discussed that many, many times on the show, the power of our our human persona, why is it that we're living such a a chaotic and um, perhaps disconnected paradigm right now in our human condition? I suggest to you it's when we go and look at those taboo shadows, when we go and look at those uh, polarizations of our culture where we've labeled something so blatantly bad that we don't even look at it again. The moment we hear the word, we instantly associate a negative connotation to it. I don't. I suggest nothing is completely evil or completely good, and oftentimes, if something is good or bad, it's because we've assigned we've assigned that label to it, and in um, in the bigger picture, it is neither good or bad. Um. So. I'm really excited about our our episode tonight. I think we should delve into it because I think we're going to have a lot to talk about. Again, the topic tonight is all of my relations, and our guest tonight is Jeffrey Schmidt. He has created All of My Relationships as a -a one-of-a-kind web platform aimed at ending tobacco dependence. Tobacco is the topic, and, and to say that word tobacco, do you have an instant connotation of uh, a negative influence, a negative effect on our culture? But what I like about tonight is, is uh, Dr. Jeff Schmidt brings uh, perhaps a polar opposite point of view, um, has enjoyed a decades-long relationship with what he calls the sacred healing plant, healing plant tobacco. In fact, for many years, Jeff studied the neuroprotective properties of compounds found in tobacco and is recognized as an internationally recognized expert in the molecular pharmacology and neuroscience of nicotine. Um, you can check out his website as she as lists on the show, allofmyrelations.com. Join me in welcoming Jeff to the show. Jeff, welcome
0: to the show. Les, it's so great to be with you and all of your listeners tonight. And I actually couldn't imagine a more perfect setup to talk about uh, our topic of uh, sacred tobacco tonight uh, uh, based on what you said about power and polarization. You know, the thing is, uh, tobacco is one of the most misunderstood living things on the planet, and it is powerful and misused. You know, let's let's be clear, misused. It has uh, precipitated a global health crisis, and you know what I am offering is a hopefully virtuous disruptor. Is some uh, alternative perspective, not only on the nature of this plant, but the nature of power, and and in helping people transition from unhealthy to healthy relations, um, hopefully some, some uh, awakening and transformation of consciousness.
1: Well, I like that. I mean, now, we're sitting here talking about the shadow side, and in this case, the shadow side would be the positive side because society has such, such a negative connotation with tobacco. The shadow side of that would be the positive side. Tell us a little bit of, uh, uh, give us a snapshot of your journey that brought you to the point of taking such a deep and um, open-minded look at uh,
0: such a powerful elixir in our culture. Well, there's two pieces to it. You know, the the, fir- the very first part of my journey was as a scientist, as an inventor, as a neuroscientist, I was involved with this global effort to try to unravel some of the the mysteries around how uh, tobacco and principally nicotine interacts with the brain because unlike any other substances that have been discovered that humans interact with, um, nicotine and tobacco um, actually steer cognition and and brain states in ways that nothing else uh, that we know of does. And that's one of the reasons that it becomes such a uh, powerful substance of, of of dependence is because it is so powerful. You know, when you smoke or ingest tobacco, but mostly smoking is where we focus, you can actually consciously or unconsciously direct the outcome of smoking. It can be a stimulant, a relaxant, a euphoriant, a memory enhancer, an aphrodisiac, I mean, the a uh, uh, digestive aid, the, the list goes on and on. And what's so fascinating about it, and this was the mystery that got me into it in the beginning, was that that you, you as the smoker or the ingester of the tobacco consciously or unconsciously directed the outcome. And there's, you know, like I said, there's never been anything that we've seen in nature that in, interacts with the human brain in quite the same way. And over those years, not only did we figure out a lot using nicotine actually as a tool we figured out a lot about how the brain works and we created the first uh, publicly uh, traded um, therapeutics company focused on the machinery in the brain that uh, nicotine interacts with it turns out that there's this inverse correlation between between Neurodegenerative disease and smoking. So, if you don't, you know, if you've smoked for some period in some period of your life for at least five years and don't die of cardiovascular disease or cancer, your onset of neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's is actually offset to a later age and your chances of getting neurodegenerative diseases is actually cut quite significantly. So, unlike what Misuse of tobacco does for the rest of the the body and your rest the rest of your physiology which can be quite negative um, nicotine is actually quite good for the brain Wow so, so that that's... was that was my first yeah that was my first my first encounter and then uh, through a, a series of very um, unusual events I ended up um, studying under a Native South American teacher who used tobacco and other plants as healing tools, and um, that basically set my life in a completely uh, new trajectory, if you will. so i've I've worked as a neuroscientist trying to unravel um, the biochemistry of, of how this all works, and you know, basically traveled. The, to the corners of the world to try to understand more deeply how um, tobacco is understood and used by indigenous cultures uh, uh, really since time immemorial. Well, There's several
1: ways we could go with this conversation. Um, but I, you said something early on that um, really struck me, and that was the effect of the tobacco is – Directly influenced by the uh, partaker of the tobacco, and and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but more or less the mindset or the perhaps the expectation of the participant, the partaker, literally um, skews or guides the effect of the tobacco.
0: Is that right? Precisely, and that's why it's it can be so. Uh, I don't like. The word addiction, but that's one of the reason that it can be so addictive because it's it's like a Swiss Army knife for brain states. It it's it's quite extraordinary. And what I discovered, I think um, you'll find this really interesting. Less is that in um, the indigenous use, when when a, a elder, or shamanic practitioner in a culture uses tobacco, they themselves can steer the outcome of what the tobacco does in the healing session as well. So it is understood as a very different sort of plant. It's considered actually, um, there's a, um, in indigenous culture, there's a whole family of plants called master plants that are understood to have consciousness and intelligence and, and if you use them right, healing power. And, and many of these cultures consider tobacco to be the most powerful of all the healing plants, ironically.
1: Wow. So if the consciousness of the partaker influences the effect of the tobacco, and yet um, I'm, I'm um, guessing, estimating, that millions of people consume tobacco without the, uh, an understanding of that, with society, labeling tobacco as such a, a negative thing, such so harmful to your health, uh, the fast track to cancer, the fast track to gum disease, um, does that um, negative connotation skew the user's experience of tobacco when they, when they enter it with this perhaps subconscious expectation of a negative outcome?
0: You know that's a really good question. Um, I can't say with any authority whether or not that is the case, but um, you know certain certain disciplines of of spirituality and inner practice would would say that that probably is the case. We do know on the very practical level that that the very simple. Uh, Ways that we abuse tobacco in, in mass culture, like taking it into your lungs, is understood by people who work with it in a sacred way to be extremely dangerous and extremely harmful. So I think that, that it's not either or, but probably um, uh, probably many factors that determine whether or not the outcome is positive or negative.
1: Right. Well, I imagine there's even the placebo effect of, you know, it's society drilling into us that um, it um, the negative connotations, and then we, unless we're conscious about it, there could um, there could be the placebo effect of the of the uh, expected consequence. So, what I really like about this is that. in your journey you you stepped outside of uh Western academics and the uh the the traditional academic perspective of tobacco and you went um, into the uh third uh, third world countries you went to the um, the the tribesmen if you will um, I don't want to put words in your mouth but you um you traveled the world and got different perspectives from people who weren't imprinted with uh, what our culture is telling us. What kind of uh, surprises did you get when you, when you uh, look to those people for their input about tobacco?
0: Well, it's a, great, it's a great question, Les. I think it goes back to one of the very first things that you said on the show tonight, and that has to do with the shadow side. You know, one of the biggest one of the biggest surprises and and biggest um, things that has, have informed my my healing journey is just how absolutely gentle these people are with themselves. And you know, this is one of the attributes of the All My Relations um, program is that one is held in a way through the journey that really helps you come to a place of treating the things about yourself that you have disliked or been ashamed of or felt embarrassed by in a much more uh, gentle and self-accepting manner. You know, the biggest surprise really has to do with with not only that fact, but what underlies that fact, you know, what we've discovered, what I've discovered in my journey and, you know, this is woven into the program, too, is that when we stop fighting the darkness, when we stop pushing away the uncomfortable, when we gain the skill to find stillness amid the, amid the discomfort and invite the feelings, because those feelings will teach you and inform you, what happens is that your physiology changes. That's what awakens your body's healing intelligence and your intelligence to make big change. As long as you've got the boxing gloves on and you're playing the shame game and you're pushing the darkness away, it's really hard to create lasting change that helps you be a happier, healthier person as a whole. That's that's probably the biggest teaching and the biggest surprise that I found as a through line throughout all all of the indigenous cultures that I've worked with.
1: Right. Well, you know, while you're saying this, I uh, images popped in my head of people standing out the back of a restaurant on a cold winter day having a smoke because it's considered taboo. <laughs> you know, they have to go out back and have a smoke. Um, if we were to embrace uh, it for what it is, you talked about a gentleness. You talked about a... Um, a whole different um, approach to it. it it'd be curious to see what uh, what changes would happen um, to the masses who smoke if
0: uh, the collective attitude towards it changed well i think that's i think that's a very very um, apt curiosity and an apt question i can i can say that what has happened with my base of clients and you know sort of my audience and my clients are are tend to be people who are really interested in exploring themselves and and getting to a place where they lead healthier and happier lives and i never set a goal set the goal of you'll never smoke again that i never i never set that as a goal the goal is to be in clear and right relations and when that comes to your you know, when, when that is brought to the matter of your body and mind, it's about making choices that help your health and resilience increase, help you realize your full potential, help be part of the great transformation and awakening of consciousness. Now, some people that have gone through this program indeed never touch tobacco again. But there are a few people that, that actually establish a different kind of relationship where maybe once a month they'll sit and pray with tobacco, you know, go into a place of meditative self-inquiry and smoke in a ritual fashion like our ancestors once did and still do in some uh, indigenous cultures around the world using the tobacco as a sacramental tool, if you will. So right. I guess the point is is that I never, I never push a particular agenda because this, this program and the work that I do with people has nothing really, has everything and nothing to do with tobacco. It has to do with shifting consciousness. It help, has to do with helping people realize their full potential. And when you do that, and when you make the decision to be kinder to yourself, to be kinder to the earth, all the symptomatic behaviors that we tend to really focus on, like addiction, just sort of change, the, change on their own accord because you found healthier other ways of being, healthier other ways of believing, healthier and different ways of viewing yourself and the world.
1: Right. I like that. So um, in a general sense, the core of what we're talking about tonight is tobacco, but as you stated, the, uh, it's, it's, it could be actually broadened to the notion of addiction in and of itself, and then to, to look at the mechanism of addiction and look at how it impedes or restricts you from fully manifesting your potential. Um how do you uh, how do you look at uh, addiction in in a new way perhaps that um I I really because I really liked what you said about uh some people um when they heal their relationship with tobacco they don't um avoid it at all costs they'll smoke it again it, uh, for example when people say well I've, I've, I've been sober for 35 years and if I have another drink I'll fall off the wagon again and, and, uh, I, and I'm not, that can be a wonderful wonderful accomplishment but if, if there's an extreme polarization if there's an extreme effect with uh, any substance there's something deeper going on there don't, wouldn't you think
0: yeah yeah there's yeah that's i'm i'm really glad that you you've you've surfaced it. i mean there's so many aspects to what you said i mean there, there are, you know with with if we use the term addiction there are both you know psychological and physical aspects of of um addiction that have to be addressed and sometimes Addressed independently. physi, you know, when we consume anything on a regular basis, especially in large quantities, our physiology changes and adapts, and that has to be addressed. Um, you know, the the process of doing something in a repetitive manner that is not healthy for you is is usually done to numb pain, if there's some unresolved wound or if, if life is, you know, you know, very tough and you don't have support. Um, there are many reasons why one, you know, consumes substances that change consciousness. And this is a sort of a natural part of being human. And it's, and where I, in my approach, differ from other Wonderful, worthy programs such as AA is that I do not believe that at any point we it's constructive to believe that we're helpless. Um, right. I don't think any. I don't think anyone is helpless. My belief is that that in a state where something might appear as it has control over you or over your behavior. You just haven't discovered the internal resource to overcome and find a surrogate, a more healthy surrogate, a less destructive surrogate for that um, behavior or that consumption. Um, the idea that, that we are fundamentally helpless against certain outside agents in life um, I think goes against um, some very important principles of of growth and development
1: right indeed well i uh, um, when people go into uh, when people experience um an extremely dysfunctional addiction or or other flavors of of challenges, uh, domestic abuse, or whatever, um, and then they, and, and then they uh, transform themselves in the fire, if you will, in the in the tempest. Um, th- those are the the powerful people that know how to bring about change. I mean, if. If you're born with a silver spoon in your mouth and there's nothing that challenges you, um, you don't have a lot of experience transforming your condition. Not that you would need to, perhaps, but those people that have gone through the tempest, I mean, how many, how many movies are there about people struggling with addiction or, or some other form of intense personal struggle, and then they overcome it, that those are... Those are epic stories in our in our human mythology, so the, yes yes so as as you traveled around and looked at tobacco being used as a sacred plant as a, in a completely different context that it's traditionally seen as here in America how how could you see our culture? having a more healthy approach to tobacco. In other words, um, um, I'm just daydreaming this up in the moment, Uh, there's uh, healing centers where the the sacred healing um, modality of tobacco is used as a therapeutic and medicinal um, effect for people. I don't know that that exists
0: anywhere in the United States that I know of. No, I, 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 think, I, think, uh, I think not. Um, there are um, people that practice uh, indigenous and traditional medicine across the Americas who use tobacco um, in their practice, but uh, it's, this is far from, from being institutionalized My personal belief is that we have quite a lot of uh, groundwork to do in terms of shifting collective understanding. You know, when 99.5% of the American population understands tobacco as, as the evil weed that um, cancer causing disease causing evil weed, um, it tells me that there's some really fundamental groundwork to do. Um, I understand that, that my program isn't for everybody. That you know, certain you know people that are attracted to my program are really interested in the you know the self exploration process. Um, but but in a way, um, Les, I think if if I were to be able to reach um, that cross section and help them come to a new understanding, that that would probably have a ripple effect, a pretty considerable ripple effect, and, and be transformative in and of itself. Um, that's that's my hope, at least. Um, you know, my focus isn't business. My focus is really consciousness and, and human transformation.
1: So if you were to language uh, some of the most misunderstood attributes of tobacco. In other words, to to shine some uh, a, a more uh, uh, a broader view of tobacco. What are some of the attributes of tobacco that are just not understood
0: in our in our Western culture? <clears throat> well, so if you if you were to do a survey of cultures. Uh, that live in places where tobacco grows naturally and where tobacco was adopted as a, as a sacred healing plant, you would find, you know, sort of these common themes that tobacco is, um, is a conscious emissary of, of all of the different plants in in the world. The, The tobacco really works very synergistically with other plant medicines and um, in a sense is sort of a, a great collaborator. Um, tobacco um, helps one pierce the veil between worlds. You know, many of these cultures believe that, that our physical world is only one of many different uh, strata in the universe that, uh, that one can access given the right right tools. And it's Pretty universally understood that one of the roles of tobacco, as with other master plants, as I mentioned earlier, helps pierce the veil between these different dimensions of the of the universe that we can that we can access, given the right conditions. Um, it is also understood to um, to help one access the dream world in different ways uh, to make use of conscious dreaming and journeying while dreaming. The list goes on and on and on. It's uh, very broadly used and very, very, very uh, powerful. And as it turns out, uh, smoking is one of very, very numerous ways that indigenous uh, tribes work with tobacco. Um, as a matter of fact, it's, it's, smoking is the exception rather than the norm. Um, there are many, many ways that different tribes uh, use, use tobacco. Tobacco is also a great tool for hunting. Many, many cultures use tobacco to heighten awareness and consciousness before uh, one engages in, in uh, hunting for food. So many different, many different functions. So
1: what about tobacco itself? I mean, we're talking about, about a plant, but if I think about tobacco, I'd go to the grocery store and there's these little round uh, cigarette things um, that have tobacco in them. Um, what I'm getting at is what's the difference between like organic uh, just naturally growing tobacco and then the tobacco that's presented to us as a product. Is there, um, is there chemicals added? Is there a difference uh, significant?
0: Yeah, the, the difference is quite considerable. The uh, industrial tobacco has, um, from what we understand, lived a, a fairly stressed life laden with uh, many many applications of uh, industrial um, industrial chemicals um, some say that that in industrial um, cigarette production that many chemicals flavorings and otherwise are, are added to the tobacco i i, I can 't say with any authority what what those might be, but suffice it to say there is a an absolute world world of uh, Of difference, you know. Tobacco itself is actually a treasure trove of biologically active compounds, and um, as with many plants that have medical application, like foxgloves, heart medicine of of um, digitoxin to um, to willow bark having uh, the predecessor of aspirin, Um, most of the time the active substituents in all of these different plants are actual insecticides. Uh, Nicotine is a very powerful plant-based insecticide. Nicotine and its cousins that are found in tobacco are, are essentially tobacco's evolutionary strategy to keep bugs from eating it. And isn't it interesting that that um, that uh, nicotine happens just happens to imitate our body's principal neurotransmitter called acetylcholine many 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 parts of your body's um, internal machinery can't tell the difference between nicotine and acetylcholine that's why um, Nicotine has such broad, broad effects on the body, both negative and positive. Um, it can, just like acetylcholine, can increase your blood pressure by constricting your, uh, your circulatory system, increases heart rate, causes muscle constriction and spasm by working at the neuromuscular junction, all the things that acetylcholine does in the body, um, nicotine will imitate and sometimes imitate much more powerfully. Um, so nicotine also interacts with the deepest, deepest molecular machinery in the brain. And that's one of the reasons that, uh, that uh, it can be so hard to cease use of of tobacco because the uh, dependence-based withdrawal can be very severe because your brain changes so dramatically um, over time when you uh, ingest nicotine.
1: Right. Since it has such a deep effect, it... um... It makes it more conducive to being an addictive su- uh, substance. Well, you know, I, I, so how do we heal our relationship with tobacco? I mean, you, you talk about the the industrial version of tobacco as being a very stressed uh, environment for the for the plant to um, exist in. Um, perhaps. If if we're going to heal our relationship with tobacco, one of the first things we could do is is um, perhaps reintroduce it to ourselves by making a spot in our garden next to the zucchini and plant tobacco ourselves, where it grows uh, much more naturally and and uh, and because if we if we don't have access to um, I, don't, I don't know if that sentence is valid, but if it's uh, more challenging to uh, get tobacco that's natural and healthy and vibrant to heal our relationship with it. Um, increasing our ability to, to connect with the plant in a more healthy and organic way would, would be a start, I would think.
0: Yeah, that's a really a really good a really good point and I love the you know, the vision of, of people cultivating and growing the plant and seeing its 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 beauty and seeing it uh for what it is, is is very compelling. But also what's very compelling that you just said, Les, is this idea of reintroducing yourself. Um that that is really what characterizes the very first part of our program. Um, and we actually don't start with tobacco. We start with reintroducing yourself to yourself, you know, calling yourself to yourself in, a, in, a, in new ways. Um, that's, the, that's the foundation because if, you know, my firm belief, and this is based on my years working with, with ancient wisdom traditions, is that if we can't approach ourselves, in a a way that is full of humility and curiosity. Um, What is this thing? Who is this person? Who am I really? If, if If you can't come from that place, it's really, really hard to affect positive change. So this program, as a matter of fact, the first third of it, we hardly even mention the word tobacco. We focus on bringing yourself back into your body. You know, the body is always going to tell you the truth. And the body gives us signals all the time that, that are extremely important, extremely useful, and we're taught to pretty much ignore it. And so what I'm trying to accomplish in this program is reintroducing ourselves to our bodies, to our breath, to our heart, to the darkness. So after we build that foundation, then we can go to the outside world, to things that we might not be in good relationship with, like tobacco, and actually approach it with the beginner's mind, as as often said in in Buddhist circles, with a, a curiosity, a humility of unknowing, what are you? tobacco. Are you really purely this evil anathema that culture has, has labeled you to be, or is there something else there? So it's exactly and precisely what, what you said. It's, it's, it's the idea of re- remembering, reintroducing oneself to one's inner life. And when you do that, everything about your external world shifts. So, you know, I, I like to say that 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 you get a multiplier effect when you we're looking maybe at tobacco dependence, but but really what we're looking at is how do you rewire your your life in a really positive way. I mean we all want to lead healthy, joy filled lives and and this I'm sh- what I'm sharing is is sort of the benefit of my, you know, 30 years of, of work on how to actually accomplish that in a really pragmatic way.
1: Well, I like that. Well, um, speaking of your program, let's take a closer look at that. Now, uh, we're talking about all of my relations as uh, one of a kind of web platformed Aimed at ending tobacco dependency. So, when when you talk about all of my is that a a go to place for people who are having a tough time um, kicking a tobacco habit?
0: Absolutely, yeah. This is this is the the uh, the, the portal, the destination for people who want to. <coughs> kick the habit, get in, get more insight about themselves and, and what what creates happiness and what doesn't. Um, it's a six-month program, and really the program is focused on, on three things. Um, first, um, you're given a series of recorded exercises that last around eight to ten minutes a piece that you uh, listen to, and, and they're narrated so that you follow the specific instructions they have to do with um, that topic of bringing yourself back into your body, back into trust, back into compassionate engagement and curiosity. And those those recordings are actually paired with another set of recordings that, that are uh, musical, really beautiful musical compositions that have woven within them um, very advanced brain support uh, technology called binaural beats and, and diachronic beats. And what they do is, while you're listening, your brain is is supported in achieving certain brain states that help you integrate what was taught in the exercises. So, so um, I work with a, a renowned sound healer and percussionist, a a world-renowned percussionist by the name of uh, River Gregarian. And uh, he and I have spent a lot of time in the recording studio doing these very unique musical compositions to um, create just the right soundscape, the right uh, um, vibrational medicine, if you will, to support every stage of the journey. And then the third component is that um, you're invited to, on a regular basis, do uh, journaling and uh, self-reflection exercises. You know, we ask the only thing that you do besides the uh, what's specified in the audio exercises is you're asked to keep a journal and do some very simple um, accounting and and uh, reflection on, on simple questions that have to do with, uh, with your experience. And then you can use that to track your progress over time. So um, the idea here is that we actually wanted to create something that was really beautiful, that whether or not you were um, in a tobacco dependence program or not, this would actually be something that you'd really enjoy listening to. We figure... We can give people a gift in exchange for the hard work that they are willing to do to make change in their lives. So it's all spelled out really simply in the platform and the and the uh, the website actually has an app that that provides the sort of user experience and guides you through the um, the recordings on a month by month basis. So it's all very very simple, really really simple, and really uh, laid out for the uh for the uh participant in a really in a really fun and simple way
1: well I like that and and from your description of the program, it sounds like you're really healing the relationship the person has with themselves and then taking a a more uh, um Raw look, if you will, at the relationship with tobacco. So, who who would you say is your ideal
0: client? Any, you know, that that's a really key question. Anyone who's curious about um, curious about how they tick, and who is anyone who is really interested in in committing a little bit of time and energy to exploring themselves. Um, my work tends to gravitate towards the curious seeker, someone who's really interested in, in, in life and, and who is uh, willing to um, sometimes explore uneasy things. That's sort of, that's sort of the ideal, that's sort of the ideal person. I don't, I don't, I, you know, I'm not a business person, so I don't, I, I'm really clear and direct. This, program is not one of these programs that promise overnight success with no work. Um, you know, I, I think it would be an insult to myself and the world if I were to try to push something like that because change, lasting change requires effort. You know, it's, you know we live in this culture of instant gratification and if I throw down some money, it better well result in a change. The fact is we're not Like automobiles, we can't just take ourselves to a mechanic and get our carburetors tuned, and you know expect addiction to be done. The big teaching is that any time that we are faced with a challenge, with an imbalance, with a disease, those are the big life's biggest learning opportunities. In a way, life's biggest gifts. So another aspect of this program is helping people think differently about their struggle because within the struggle is oftentimes life's biggest teaching and biggest gift and also sometimes the greatest source of energy. You know how much energy we put into our suffering, into the challenges, into the darkness. Imagine you could take that equivalent amount of energy and alchemize it and use it for for the positive. That's part of what we are sharing too.:
1: I like that. So I mean,'ve we've, we've been talking uh, about addiction, but what other uh, perhaps uh, negative attributes or undesirable attributes uh, that someone might have that your program would be well
0: suited for? Well, this is it's a really great question, and certainly we're exploring um, exploring that in many many ways. You know, a few years from now, I would love it if if the core principles were applied to many different areas where people feel out of out of good relations and out of out of balance with with life. Um, the The core really is um, are all the things that I've mentioned. You know, being compassionate towards oneself, being an explorer and and taking a different perspective about what the shadow and the darkness is. Um, all, these, all these sorts of things are really what build the foundation of this program. That's why it, it is, in essence, you know, very much um, rooted in the world's wisdom tradition. You know, you... You could participate in the whole program, and if you didn't have the awareness that it was connected to indigenous wisdom, you would never know it because I don't use the same language, the cultural and spiritual references. But at its core, this is really sourced from really ancient ancient wisdom tradition and, and practice. I think it's
1: beautiful you're bringing that ancient wisdom into a Western platform for the Western mind to understand and to um, incorporate. So, you know, a lot of times uh, when people in, in their adult life uh, have an issue with addiction, it's because it was rooted in their family of origin. It was rooted in in the culture that they were raised in um, what are some perhaps unexpected uh, consequences of healing and addiction?
0: I think it's exactly, it, it points to exactly what uh, you just said. You know, oftentimes when I work with, with people who are seeking to move past addiction, they end up actually discovering quite a bit about um, their family and their ancestors. And you know, we we tend to believe in, in this culture that we are individuals, that we are somehow separate and independent and autonomous and, and don't really have really in the end that much connection with the outside world. And that actually runs against how we have thought about ourselves in a relationship to the rest of nature for most of human history. And the fact is we know now from many different perspectives, including modern science, how deeply connected we are to our ancestry, to our family, both physically and behaviorally. You know, the, uh, the seven generations concept born of, of Native North American wisdom traditions, and culture has actually been reflected in the, in the um, you know, modern um, genomic sciences showing that the stress molecules and pathways that were, were triggered with extraordinary ferocity with a person's ancestors if they were in the Holocaust or in war displaced from their homes actually persist in altering the way that, that, Genes are expressed in the family for six, seven, eight generations. So when it comes to dependence, when you really, really go deeply in, a, in this mind of the explorer, this compassionate, open, ex- explorational mind, you actually learn a lot about not only yourself, but, but your family as well, and it opens up the opportunity for a, to cast a broader... Net of healing and awakening. At least that's that's uh, what I've seen.
1: Right. Well, you know, an hour can go by pretty fast. Um, I've I've really enjoyed this uh, this conversation, taking a deeper look, taking a, a, a more authentic, perhaps, look at the notion of tobacco and our. Um, the shadow side of it, which in this case is the positive side of it. Do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners?
0: Well, les,' it's been great to be with uh, you and your listeners tonight and and um yeah, my my closing my closing um, thought really has to do with uh, with that core principle of being kind to yourself, especially when the going gets rough, and when, um, when the judging mind wants to take over and, and beat you up for things. I mean, accountability is, is, is golden, and so is, is uh, a compassionate approach to our inner world. So I, I, wish, I wish all of us um, a compassionate path forward when it comes to our, our inner experience. Beautiful.
1: Well, Jeffrey, I want to thank you for being our guest tonight. I've thoroughly enjoyed this
0: conversation. Thank you. Me too, Les, and thank you to all your listeners as well. We've been talking
1: with Jeffrey Schmidt, and the topic tonight has been all of my relations. It's it's uh, it's always. Fun. I very much enjoy taking uh, a new perspective, a new look, a, uh, perhaps engage in a new awareness of something that's been right in front of us the whole time. It, I, I think humanity certainly has everything it needs as far as its own potential, as far as its own capability. In other words, we don't have to invent anything about ourselves per se. It's, it's about embodying what we already have. It's about looking with fresh eyes, looking with virgin eyes at what's been around us the whole time to heal the shadow side of what we've been told is bad, to heal the polarity that our culture has towards um, um, things that can be a very powerful part of our lives. Um, it, it's always my pleasure To spend this time with you And bring you episodes That, that do just that, that That bring a new perspective That bring a new possibility If you will Not only for you, the listener For your life For your transformation But also for the collective for For humanity as a whole I suggest that these next uh, decades of our human story is um, is going to turn the old paradigm on its head. I think we're going to see people that do um, what would be considered miraculous things with their own personal transformation compared to what the quote norm was from the past. Um, so. You as a listener, you've showed up for yourself. Here you are listening to this episode. Thank you for showing up for yourself. It's when we, we as a, a human culture, both individually and collectively, take a deeper look at who we are, that we're going to discover the, the tools and the gifts that we've always had to, to transform our human condition. I'm your host, Les Jensen. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for spending this time with us. Until next time, thanks for listening.
0: This has been a New Human Living radio broadcast to bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host Les Jensen's latest book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.